Any education apart from Jesus Christ is for us miseducation. And it produces not education nor an educated man, but a new race of barbarians who are today busily destroying their civilization. Humanistic education is the institutionalized love of death. Christian education, because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the light, is the love of life. This is the Love of Life Podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Love of Life podcast. We have a special guest with us again today. This is Jesse from Poor Bishop Hooper. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about the band. Um, And uh, we're super excited to have you on today. Yeah, it's a delight to be with you guys. Wonderful. So I'm sure the question you guys get in... Let's just talk about the band specifically. It's yourself and your wife, correct? Yeah, yes, yes, that's right. Nice. Anyone else in the band? Uh, so when we we have different live expressions, um, when we're doing certain ministries, we'll bring other band members. Um, but we also play a lot as just a duo. Okay. Yeah. Okay, very good. And I'm sure the question that you guys get wherever you go, how did you come up with the name? Where does the name come from? I know it's on your website and we've checked it out and everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, sure. So the, the name was actually um, Bishop John Hooper was an Anglican bishop in England back in the 1500s who was burned at the stake for, he was an early reformer. Um, his, from what I understand, his particular uh, beef with the church was a lot to do with the vestments and some of the sacraments. Didn't think you have to wear certain things to baptize people and have communion and whatnot. Uh, and so they, uh, he got away and then he came back, I think to help out his sister or something. And he got caught and queen, you know, bloody Mary, queen Mary caught him and, uh, had him burned at the stake. And the, the story goes, um, if you, if you want to read it in Fox's book of martyrs, um, that they lit the fire and it like burned his feet a little bit. And of course he's doing the Jesus thing, like forgiving them the whole time. And, and then they, uh, it, the wind blows it out and then they light it again and it burns a little more and the, the, it's kind of wet sticks and it goes out again. And finally, by the end of it, he's just like, come on, you know, like finish the job. This is ridiculous. Like, can someone build a fire in this crowd of people who's killing me? So, um, uh, really tragic story all these years later, by the way, it's funny that we can laugh about this. Yeah, exactly. It's horrible. I mean, it's, it's, horribly tragic. Yeah, it's terrible, but yeah. We actually had a really funny story. We were being interviewed on Fox Four News here in Kansas City, and the the guy asked that, and so I started going in about Jesus and all this stuff, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, too depressing for the morning news." And just cut right out. That was the end of it. That was the end of the interview. He walked out of the room, never talked to him again. Seriously? Oh my god! Yeah, it was fun. It was great. But we, uh, when we first started doing music, we were uh, doing playing as a as a duo. Uh, we had, we had just released that, uh, our first record was called foreign made. It's all based around the parables of Jesus. Um, just her on upright bass, my wife on upright bass and me playing a guitar. And, um, we wanted a name as we went out and played all these different places that would start conversations about Jesus. So one that wasn't super like, Hey, you know, Christian band name E, 
if right. that makes sense. Because right. we were playing, we played a lot in the West Bottoms. We played a bunch of clubs. We we're doing like weddings and private parties at people's houses and big, huge, swanky events and all sorts of stuff. Um, and so, you know, it, it kind of had had to have some crossover. But we've had countless conversations just because people ask, "What well, was the, what's the deal with the name?" Yeah. Uh, and then you get to have a story about a man of God who did beautiful things in his life and you know fought against tyranny and you know was for justice and for the the things of the lord in their truest sense and yeah um, and sometimes those develop and sometimes like on the news you get cut off really quick and that's the end of it right, right. We, tr- we trust the spirit that that's the right thing and you would think with all of the depressing nature of the news they would be more than happy to talk about <laughs> depressing <laughs> stories i mean that's all they have pretty much right yeah. so yeah how did you come up with the name from the standpoint of did you read fox's book of martyrs i read it in high school Sure. Did you read Fox's Book of Martyrs in high school when you got older? Did you hear the story and then you kind of turned to the book? How, how, how uh, I, I'd read I'd read pieces of it uh, in and out. Um, kind of, so I was in a, a seminary program um, that was uh, kind of focused on apprenticeship in in whatever field the Lord was calling you into. And in that, I, I had read some through those those years. But we had a friend, and I I had heard his story. Um, years before, but we had a friend kind of, we were kicking around ideas and he's like, you know, I've always thought of some, you know, Bishop Hooper would be a great name. And then you get, you know, and so then we were like, oh, we know that story. And there it kind of came from there. Yeah. That's oh. awesome. We love it. It's a great name. Great. Well, it's, I, I'm always kicking myself for making bad names. I have a history of having terrible band names in my are life. Really? So, what yeah, are some I, of the I other names like, you come up with? I don't with? even want to tell you. I don't oh, want to tell you. They're awful. Yeah. Man. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna be curious about that for weeks now. <laughs> yeah, I was in a I was in a touring band for many years before I married Leah, uh, and it was called Quiet Corral. Mm. And again, a hard chunk of words to put together. Corral. Quiet Corral. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, and we got we have just we had pictures of all of the you know marquees with the name wrong. <laughs> Quiet Coral and you know quietly you know camping. I mean, all these ridiculous things. You know, so wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. My curiosity is a little satisfied then with that. <laughs> but my, my first band ever, and this was not on me, but on the other guy, it was called the I Love Yous. So there, you know, how I was, what, 16, 17, you know, how, how emotionally uh, high school can you get if your band name is the I Love Yous you right. know, and, the, and the, the heart, everyone's just doing this all the time. Sounds like, awful. An awful. Sounds like an early 1960s band that never came to fruition, right? It probably was. <laughs> it could have been. We, we revitalized the name. That's great. Ask you, oh, go ahead. You can ask yeah, a question. Yeah, I was going to but... say, so can you give us a little bit of your musical history? Obviously, now we know it at least goes back to high school, but, and, and Leah's, are you guys classically trained? Have you just always loved and played music? Yeah. Um, so my wife, uh, she grew up in a musical family. Her, her mother is a really talented organist and pianist. So playing in the church all the time, her sister played a lot of music and, uh, toured around and stuff. And she was always involved either singing harmonies or, I mean, she remembers as a little girl, like sitting and turning the pages for her mom, you know, uh, playing all this stuff. So she was always around it. I, um, my brother is actually a really successful visual artist. He lives in Norway. Um, but my, our parents were into those things, but didn't do them. So, my parents weren't musicians. They, they weren't artists um, in that way. But my dad listened to tons of music. Uh, he had all these records and stuff, and it was and then CDs and um, very eclectic, like world stuff. You know, ever from everything from like Shaka Zulu and you know bagpipes, to like Japanese Kyoto drums, and all these you know all these crazy things. We we're always listening to all that stuff as a little kid. Uh, 
And so I got into, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, I took up viola. So I played in the orchestra, you know, whenever you first can do that, sixth grade or something, you start playing, you know, squeaking on the strings. <laughs> Uh, and then taught myself piano in middle school and ended up taking classes for that because I really and I was really, really enjoyed classical piano. That was kind of my favorite. Um, and so did a bunch of that and then moved to college. What didn't have access to a piano directly or all the time. So picked up guitar going into college. Um, but never I've never had formal training other than a few piano lessons in high, high school. So uh Leah went to Sterling College. I don't know if you're familiar. It's in a tiny town in central Kansas. And she was a worship leadership, like minor, okay. uh, in, in the ministry stuff for her degree. But since then, I mean, she when we got married, I said, you got to have something, you know, that we can do acoustically uh, so that you don't, we don't have to schlep PA and keyboards every time. She plays piano really well. And so she picked up the upright bass, and we, she was playing – we were playing shows in like a month. I mean, she's amazingly talented. Yeah. 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 So. If you listen to your music, you can tell that you are both extremely talented, but yes. I just wondered about your background. And, and now the eclectic nature of your music too makes more sense with what you grew up listening to. As I yeah. listen to a lot of the songs, if it's either the psalm or a hymn or whatever, a lot of the instruments and things that you're using, it kind of has a almost an eclectic feel to sure. it. It's not as if every song sounds the same. You, mm-hmm. There's so much variety to your sound. Well, and I was talking about this with someone the other day. Have you ever been to Walnut Valley Festival in Winfield, Kansas? It's just—it's like an international bluegrass festival in this tiny town in Kansas. People come from all over the world. So that's pretty close to where I grew up. And my brother got really into string band and bluegrass stuff and country uh, in high school. And so I kind of tagged along that too, you know, picked up the mandolin and stuff like that. And so there's definitely some times where you can feel that kind of, uh, you know, yeah. bluegrass influence, like saunter into the songs, but... I like it. That's good. Yeah. So you've mentioned instruments. Are there any instruments that you haven't mentioned that either of you play? You've given us quite a few. Yes. Yeah. We play guitar and piano and bass and then mandolin and strings. Okay. Yeah. And then everything is done on, on a digital audio workstation, right? So you're, you're creating a lot of different sounds, right? Like Mm. I hear a lot of almost like a synthetic sounds and, other blends of things just beyond those instruments, right? Like what are uh, your- definitely, yeah. So we have a we have a few synthesizers in here, and then um, just have a lot of sample instruments that we run. We run Logic for all of our recording stuff, and okay. um, have a good. Are slowly building up a pretty decent library of sampled uh, instruments. Nice, yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about the different things that you do? Um, we want to go in depth a little bit more with every psalm, but you also mm-hmm. have different projects and different experiences. Um, do you want to give us just like a highlighted overview of those different things? Yeah, sure. So the, the thing that really started the, the kind of separate us going full forward on the ministry and the nonprofit was this thing called the Golgotha experience. We wrote 14 songs, each based on the stations of the cross. Um, and they all kind of run together as kind of a meditative hour around Jesus's time from the garden to the tomb. Uh, and so we we did that for the first time. This will be this coming Lent will be the eighth year that we've shared that. Uh, and first we just wrote it for our community of home churches in Kansas City, and uh, we performed it on Good Friday. Uh, and then every year since then, except for last year with COVID, 
um, we have been sharing it all around uh, the country. So we tr- that's kind of the main live expression. We do that a lot in um, underserved communities, so prisons and rural. My wife and I both being from, being from small towns, we like to share it th- there when we can. Um, and a whole, you know, all sorts of things. Everything from community centers and tiny chapels and living rooms to mega churches and, you know, big theaters and everything else. So uh, wherever the spirit kind of leads that. But that's kind of our continuing main in-person, like hands-on ministry live expression thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have Firstborn, which is our Advent series. Uh, we've done a bunch of music through uh, for kind of based on those um, Advent themes, the weekly themes, hope, joy, peace, love. And um, have added some things to that as well with uh, hymns this year. Next Friday, we have a, a, our kind of first chunk of Advent hymns coming out that will accompany that and uh, videos and artwork. And uh, my wife has a book coming out um, soon, too, on that, that accompanies. And the whole thing is just written on the lineage of Christ, as told in Matthew 1. So from Abraham to Jesus, there's all these people. Most people have no clue who the people are. Me, you know, me included before all this went down, you know, and uh, so just a biblical look at who these men are. You know, if the gospel writers take the time to name them, there's a reason they're there. So we should maybe have some understanding. Well, that is a perfect segue to the song Christ that we have heard. I don't know how many times. Several times. Our kids, it probably is the most requested song uh, from our children. Oh, I'm honored. That's awesome. Somewhere. uh, The song Christ which is the genealogy. Uh, I didn't know you could take a genealogy because historically genealogies are interesting, of course, because you can see the faithfulness of the Lord. You can see Mm -hmm. the history and and the names, but you guys artistically make the genealogy sound beautiful. Uh, Mm. It's, it really is something. Uh, Thank you. We, when we were getting into firstborn, um, much like in Golgotha, it's beautiful to look at these moments where there's uh, people, individual people that the Lord uses in crazy ways. And so we were talking about how, we, how do we want to make music over the Advent season? And um, we think we want to set each one to a person, you know, so hope is Zechariah in the temple is, uh, you know, that's an amazing story has always baffled me. Uh, and then they're all each week is kind of set to a person. So looking at one individual character, if you will, in the narrative. And then we got to the Christ and we're discussing how in the world do we sing this one? Because it's pretty, I mean, you know, it's the person. And Leah, I remember said, we just need to sing the lineage. And I was like, how in the world are we going to do that? Uh, and she did it, you know, she did it beautifully. And I remember, I remember sitting up here as we were first working on it and it came together really in one night, the whole thing came together. Um, and then of course we, we'd add a production and stuff after that. But, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to, I think it's going to work, you know? Uh, and now, um, we've been so grateful just to be able to steward that, you know, we, we know that it's the, obviously it's the Lord's, we didn't write the words. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys need to go back in the old Testament and do some more genealogies, (laughs) uh, like Genesis chapter five, like so-and-so was the father of so-and-so Enoch, Jared, like. You guys can, I'm sure, knock out all of the, all of the genealogies out of the park, man. Yeah, that, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly helps me learn who the heck, you know, or helps right, exactly. you learn them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, well, it does help you memorize them. And then you notice even when you hear teaching or um, you're reading through the Bible and you hear a name, you're like, oh, I know that name. That's in the line of Christ because yeah. of the song. Like, really, it's mm. 
made me have several light bulb moments just with recognition of some mm. of those names that I, you know, just, you kind of skim over them almost when you just read it. So to meditate on it through singing, um, it just, it makes you more mindful of it. Mm. Yeah. So you guys are going through every Psalm right now. I think you're on Psalm 99. 99 just came out yesterday. Okay. What prompted going through? What what was sort of the genesis, if you will, of deciding, hey, let's let's go through all 150 Psalms. That seems like a good endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a really beautiful story of God's uh, faithfulness. I, so we, we first, we've been married um, eight years, came to Kansas city. We're uh, leading worship at a church, which was a big collection of home churches. And um, the, the pastor there at the time was very adamant on uh, study and silence uh, every day for people who are on his staff. So every day from nine to 1130, if I recall, it, you, you read your Bible and you prayed and you were quiet and you didn't have your phone and you, you know, you did that and you could, you know, read other texts and stuff a lot. That was when I was in that seminary program through that same church. So, uh, but it's, it's, and it was really a sweet season. And in that season, somewhere along the way, I was like, I want to just pull out maybe poetry and themes and lines from the Psalms. So I was just, I set myself, I'm going to do one a day. It's one a day. And maybe it'll come to something, maybe it won't. And we, my wife and I sing, uh, we lead a lot of worship and prayer in our home and in the small space. And uh, a lot of that, we like to just sing the scriptures out of the Bible when we can. So that was kind of in the swirl of all of it. But uh, we got to, I was at 103 or something, and the church kind of imploded, a bunch of bad stuff. Really bummer. Um, but I took the notebook, tossed it in a box, thought I might never look at that again, you know. Uh, and just a massive season change. And we had had the kids, and all this kind of all happened. And uh, somewhere along the way, four or five years ago, maybe, um, as we were starting to do music more and do me doing my other jobs less, um, we, we started to bring it up again. Lisa, well, what if we did, what if we thought about doing a song for every psalm? And then, uh, the Lord would very quickly be like, nope, you know, like not, not the time. Okay. You know, we'd pray about it again. You know, six months later, we pray about it again. Nope. Okay. And we just kept doing that. And then in, in July of 2019, the Lord said, now, and you need to start in January of 2020. And I then, of course, you know, role reversal. I'm like, there's no way we, I mean, all the fleshly insecurities around that project, you know, bit heavy. There's no way we can. How in the world? They're going to sound the same. They're going to be terrible. No one's going to listen to them. It'll be this massive undertaking that we'll commit to and that no one will care. And I'm like, I'm going to spend the next three years of my life doing this thing and it doesn't matter. It's not influencing anyone. It's only going to be a back scratch for Christians. There's no real ministry in it. You know, all those things. And he just, you know, in his goodness, softly, like, you know, reassured. Now's the time. Start in January. And of course, we start in January. uh, And in March, we're on the road touring with Golgotha and the Psalms are coming out. And you know, people start talking about this virus thing and (laughs) the whole world shuts down. Like as we're driving back from Colorado through Oklahoma, back to Kansas city, uh, and all of my, all the people we know and friends and stuff who are in music are then scrambling to release content because no one can play live anymore. And here the Lord has gone before us to release a song every week for three years. (laughs) Um, I mean, we were just like, Oh Lord, you're so much better to us than we could have imagine for ourselves, you know? So 
that was the timing. Our desire was we love to sing the scriptures. We love for people to know God's word. We love, we want to know God's word more. Uh, and so that was kind of the initial desire, but then the timing of it, it's just such, such a beautiful thing. Uh, and then going through the reality and, and seeing the, seeing the ministry through people's responses in this thing that I thought, okay, there'll be pleasant songs. They'll be encouraging for people to listen to, but you know, we're, we came out like, you know, we're coming out of a prison where there's all this hands on ministry. The spirit's doing crazy stuff. People are committing their lives to Christ that, you know, in my immaturity, it was like, that's the real ministry. And this thing will just be something else. Well, the Lord's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. so then COVID happens and all these people are sharing these responses all over the world. You know, I'm locked in my house. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind, but I listen to the Psalms and they bring me peace or my, my, both my parents just died from COVID and I didn't even get to see them. And I listen, I don't know, I even know how to pray. And I'm so sad. I just listened to your laments because that's like the only thing I know how to do right now in communication with the Lord. Or we had a lady say, um, her younger, her teenage daughter had cancer and she had to work two jobs and she couldn't go see her in the hospital, you know, cause that, that was the time it was like, no, no one comes in. You got to stay out there. So she's like, my daughter is in a hospital and I can't even be with her. And I, the only thing that gets me to like through the day is when I wake up, I turn this every song on. So it's stuff like that. Never would have imagined, you know, in the, all of that. And so we're really thankful. We're just grateful to partner with the Lord in it and be able to do it. Um, yeah. And that people have supported it and allowed it to happen. So, yeah. Well, God's word does not return void. Amen. You know, yeah. um, why do you think the Psalms have been, it seems that the Psalms have been neglected for years and years. I mean, we're told to sing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And part of that is the Psalter and it's sure. the Psalms. Why do you think for the last, I mean, growing up, at least in the musical world that we did, it seems like the Psalms have been kind of pushed out of a lot of even evangelical churches. Um, you know, we're, we're singing sort of three chords for Jesus kind of songs. A lot of them are very elementary uh, not, and not altogether bad. And some are very yeah. good songs, but there's such meat in the Psalms uh, that we don't get anywhere else. This is God's word that we can literally sing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any kind of assessment or your understanding of, well, it's, it seems kind of weird that the Psalms have not been sung. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with Pete Gregg? Uh, he runs, tw- he runs 24 seven prayer. He he's written, but anyway, we're tied with 24 seven prayer, this kind of international authority kind of, hierarchy thing i hesitate to call it denomination but you know uh and he always says the the bible's more honest about god than the church is and that's what we've seen in the psalms all the time is that it's just it's true and honest and in your face and it's hard to sing i mean i was working on uh we were working on one the other day i can't remember which one it is they've all kind of blurred numbers wise if i read it i can sing the melody but i can't tell you what 88 is compared to one of the other ones um but it was uh you know, let their children be hungry in the streets and the ruins where they live. Let their wives be widows and barren. And you're like, Oh, how do I, you know, like who, what, what? And, and I had a guy on a, on an interview asking me how in the world can you wrap your mind around that? Not abrasively, but a little bit like I'm pushing back on why would you ever sing that? And, you know, I sit there and see like the hearts, uh, the heart of the Lord for justice is so much more than, than we 
think about today, I think, particularly in our culture yeah. that like he does like sin, uh, you know, it, and he, and, and so when the psalmist sings these things, I think we've, I think in some ways we've stepped away from the Psalms because they're really honest and they're really hard to sing. Uh, you know, these laments over and over. I mean, speaking of 88, I do remember 88. That's the one that has no turn for the positive. It's like the, you know, a lot of people call it the most distressing Psalm in the Bible. It's just dark, you know, darkness is my only friend. And then it ends. And you're like, oh my gosh. Um, but there are people who feel like that. And that's an honest cry. But to stand corporately in a, in a you know, in your church community and sing that song as a worship song, um, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, uh, it might not necessarily work. Now, I think we've done a bad job because I think that there are times where it should work. Uh, for instance, this is a tragic story. We had a person in our community. They had a three-year-old son. They put him to bed, went in the next day, and he was dead in his bed. I mean, he's like, what even, you know? And our pastor calls, and he, he you know, of course, like, pray. Everyone just pray. You know, whatever. Don't know what to say. Just pray. And he calls and says, I want to, I want, he said, the dad said, uh, I want to gather and worship in some way. And he thought, we need to sing laments. And the only person I know singing them is you guys. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and so he's like, will you just come and lead this time of worship and prayer over the family with just the people who around them know them? You know, it's just, just uh, you know, I don't know, 50 people or whatever who are connected with them directly. So it wasn't like all the church, you know, come and, and, and he said, just let the spirit lead this time and, and, and sing. And that's the thing where in that moment, you know, and he came up afterwards, he said, I've been listening to your Psalms because everything on the radio, every Christian song on the radio, I can't stand it right now. This like victory, all these victory songs, you know, we've seen this high theme of like, you're the champion and you're going to win. And and that's all true. And that's right. You know, we love it. Uh, But you know, he's like, I can't hear that right now, but I can listen to these Psalms of Lament um, because that's his reality in that, you know, in that season. And so um, I think there's a lot that goes into it. We love the bride. The bride is beautiful in all of its weird ways um, in all the, you know, all the churches and what they're doing is wonderful. I think it's been great to see the progression of high like praise and, and worship. Um, but I do agree. I think that we should be open to engaging the Psalter even in the hard ones, mm-hmm. even when the ones that don't make a lot of sense, uh, to say, like, no, we can sing this, and it'll, it will be edifying because it's God's word. Um, and there will be times, probably, in church communities that it, it works. And that, I think there's a lot of influence in the, in, the, in the game of Christian music, you know, the money-making machine of Christian music. I think that influences a lot. Yeah. I think the size and growth of large church uh, and how that removes some of the relational connection then it doesn't allow for those things, right? Because if if this couple that lost their child was in a church of 5,000 and they went to church and the whole church sang all these lament songs, well, 4,950 of the people would be like, why are we singing? This doesn't make any sense because they don't know them. They didn't know that happened, you know? So as you get smaller uh, and more relational, then it opens up, you know, ways to sing these songs more, more honestly. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a long ramble. No, maybe you poked, maybe you poked a button there for me. (laughs) No, I just see, um, um, I just see the American church kind of has a overall, a sort of a one size fits all type of mentality when it comes to Mm. Christian worship and music. And it is sort of this, 
you know, me and my Jesus kind of thing. And yeah. we're kind of hunky dory and whatever. And, and that's not every song. And there are some sure. good things that do come out of it for sure. Yeah. But by and large, we're neglecting a lot of things that are said about even the character of God mm-hmm. mentioned in the Psalms. You know, you mentioned sin, um, the lament. We almost don't want to see that. But yet at the same time, for the most part, 99% or 100% of us are going to experience in our own lifetimes, yeah. lament, sorrow, suffering, loss. Yeah. All of these things are reflected in the Psalms and we should be singing them mm-hmm. at some point, at least. I remember I had, a, I had a good friend who's a worship pastor here and he uh, started this thing called Love and War. It's a really beautiful kind of worship leader training that people from, we got involved with people from around the country would come to Kansas City uh, and he would just kind of missionalize the worship in their lives, which is was awesome. But I remember him asking the question, uh, when's the last time you heard a worship song like new written that was we instead of me? Yeah. And this was, I mean, this was eight, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, but I remember thinking, huh, you know, and that says something, right? When, yeah. Yeah. when it's all I, me instead yeah. of we. So. Yeah. Yeah. And not to keep going down this path, but yeah, I mean, the Lord, even when he taught us to pray, he didn't say, hey, you need to pray. I, he yeah. said, our father uh, yeah. in heaven, it's corporate. Yeah, 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 totally. Do you have um, any favorite Psalms? And I know now it's going to be like, can you remember the number uh, yeah. associated with them? But you've done so many. Are there some that stand out like, oh, we really, I love this one or Leah really love this one. Do you have some favorites? Yeah. Um, the, uh, we do, Leah does, we have different favorites. Sure. Um, some of the ones for me that have been my favorite are when I, um, uh, so we, we get a little bit of time during the week to record while our kids are asleep, but most of the vocal recording stuff happens when they're in bed smart. and that was smart. It's gotten harder and harder as we get more tired to like, <laughs> particularly like the high, you know, the praise ones, the ones that are really fun or more energetic. I'm like, all right, Leah, drink another cup of coffee because you got to come up here at nine o'clock and like sing a fun one and have some energy. And she, ah, I can't do it. You know? And so, but, um, she was up here when she sang Psalm 23, uh, she was up here singing. She wrote that one and it's just super simple, uh, you know, piano and her vocal. And she sang that. And I remember sitting here being like, I was weeping, you know, sitting, and I, you know, I'm trying to like concentrate, you know, like take that vocal again, you know, be the producer. And I'm like, Oh, this is bad because something on it was perfect, you know, and it was, it was moving to her. It was super moving to me. So there's some like that that are really uh, memorable. I like the one that came out and I can't remember the the number. Um, Despite of all this, they send, they send. Uh, I I can hear it in my head. Yeah. Yeah, uh, In spite of all this, they send, they send. And that one, I remember writing that one and struck me really hard because is that not the truth in my life? You know, how many times has God shown me the miraculous? How many times has God provided, walked me from slavery into freedom, walked me through the desert time and time again, you know, and, and we have a tendency, particularly around some of those remembrance Psalms, you know, where it tells the narrative, you're like those moronic Israelites, how could they do that? You know, (laughs) our kids, we, you know, we read through the old Testament and they're always like, oh yeah, the Israelites say they're never going to complain again. They're going to do it in the next chapter, you know, (laughs) but I feel that way sometimes. And I remember writing that one and then recording that one. And I really like how that one came out. Um, because it like ministered to me, I needed to remember this, like, Oh Lord, forgive me. 
you yeah. know, this, this thing of confession. Another thing that we probably don't do really well in the American church, like deep confession, repentance. I repent, Lord. You know, yeah. so uh, the only other one that stuck on me right then was there's that one from, I think it's in the 50s, and it's super simple, have mercy. Uh, that's the line that like came off and that's the chorus. Oh, yeah. um, but I, for some reason, the that tempo is really slow. And I remember doing that one with Leah and being like, that one came out right. So there's a couple of my favorites recently. They change all the time. Yeah, one, yeah. Uh, Leah did the one on uh, 110 with uh, Melchizedek. Oh, yeah. Um, You're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. She wrote that one and we just finished it. I sent it to the guy who does our mastering yesterday. And that song is awesome i mean it is it is weird it's super weird and random uh but you know again kind of like the lineage who can make a lineage it's like who can make one with melchizedek and she did it and she nailed it and it sounds really great so that's i like awesome. that one. that's awesome i can't wait to hear it i'll send you a sneak peek if you want oh yeah, yes I would please love do that. It. yeah perfect yeah, yeah. Um, get it back. how has this pace been for you guys one a week i mean and now you're two years almost two years in like mm-hmm. What is that like? Are there ever weeks where you're like, it's not going to come together this week unless the Lord <laughs> helps us or has, are you got, have you gotten into a rhythm to where it's, yeah. it's kind of your thing. It's easy. Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> uh, the, uh, we work sign we try and work significantly ahead. Um, so in the practical side of things, the distributor that we use to get it, to make sure it's on all the platforms at the right times. Uh, I have to be five weeks in advance or a month basically. Um, and so no matter what, we're four weeks done in advance, but there are times where we get way far ahead and then a bunch of things happen or we're touring Golgotha or whatever. And then we get way far, you know, it like catches back up. The beautiful thing has been in the seasons where, you know, I remember my brother telling me as a creative, him being like, you know, you'll get a wave. And when you're, when the wave comes, like ride the wave as long as you possibly can work like crazy, you know? So we definitely feel that sometimes where I might be on like, Oh, Leah, they're, churning right now i'm just writing i'm like crazy uh and then i might dwindle off of that what's been sweet is that it tends to be when i'm off she's on Uh, so she's cranking them out when i'm not and it's worked out really beautifully there's no way i could have done it by myself you know um the lord was has been so good in putting us in partnership and um having us write together and um but yeah usually one of us will come with the initial idea and or, or come and like here's here it is written and then a lot of times like, all right. And like, Leah, you sing it. I wrote this for you to sing, you know, I'm not singing it, whatever. Um, <laughs> but workflow wise, it's been beautiful because we have to rely on the Lord. And the other thing that it does that's really wonderful is that it makes you not second guess everything. You don't have time. So when I'm making production decisions, you know, I remember st- spending hours in the studio talking about, should it be 89 beats a minute or 88, you know, or 90? And you're like, oh, that changes. Something. It does. It's important. But when, when you don't have a year to track a record, you know, then you just make the decisions and you go with them. Sometimes yeah. I listen back and I'm like, oh man, I mix this harmonies way too loud or, you know, whatever it is. They're like, oh, that guitar sounds terrible. It's just so thin or whatever. Um, that, that's just me being, you know, picky on myself. But yeah, most of the time it's been really beautiful because it, it a lot, we have to trust the spirit. People ask us about, ask that about us for the, the lyric writing. You know, do you sing every line? Like, well, no, we don't sing every line, um, but we trust that the spirit is going to highlight what needs to be sung. We do try and get the, the general theme of the whole thing, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, but beyond that, 
it's it's a fun experiment. It's a fun exercise. Yeah. To just write like crazy and uh, trust that they're that the Lord will have them be what they're supposed to be. And do you use various translations? You don't just stick to one translation, do you? We do. We do. That was a big point of conversation in the early stage. Should we grab one? Um, but because we don't sing every line and because – so there's a guy who has sang every line of every psalm, him and a piano. Wow. Uh, you can find some of the stuff on YouTube. I don't remember his name. Okay. Um, but, you know, we're like, bless that. That's amazing. We've and through this project, we've met a lot of people who are singing like tons of scripture. Boom, boom, boom. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but for us, we want it to be accessible uh, and and re- and somewhat relatable. And we wanted the music to be like high craft as best we possibly can. And because of that, we're like we we have to not do every line. And then when we made the every line decision, we also said, okay, what about translations? We have to be okay to allow other translations to um to inform the creativity of it uh because you know we're not singing in hebrew i mean the real hardcore purists would be like you have to go back and sing it in the right, original right, language right. you yeah. know so yeah. at that point we're like we're still you know we're trusting lord in the whole process that he's informed the guys who did the esv and he's informed the guys who did the niv you know so uh that's yeah we don't do one yeah. uh, i was i was talking with the guy in the, who does the versus project you know the versus project I haven't heard of that one, no. Okay, so they just do like one or two verses at a time, or three I think is the most, and then it's straight ESV, and they make a song about a little chunk, and they've done hundreds of them, 280 or 350, I don't even know how many. Wow. So you should look it up. It's beautiful. They just just rebranded and relaunched, and now it's on Spotify and stuff. It wasn't for a long time. You had to get on their site and download them, Uh, but now they're, like I think a month ago, it just kind of resurged. But so we totally understand the significance of like, hey, I want to memorize out of the ESV and this like, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Right. For us, it wasn't the right thing. Um, sure. Just so we could allow us for some creative flexibility. And every once in a while, I'll get caught up in a verse and think, oh man, I wonder what other translations have for these, this last two words or something. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, well, that actually rhymes. That, how great, you know, or whatever. So a lot of times it's really helpful to have a couple on hand. Yeah, that's great. On your hymns project, yeah, do you, guys, do you guys just make decisions based on hymns that you grew up with that you liked, mm-hmm. or what goes into the process of cre- of choosing the hymns? Yeah, uh, so I grew up in a super traditional Presbyterian church. My wife grew up in a super traditional Lutheran church. Ah. And, uh, so we both, you know, cut our teeth, if you will, on hymns. Yeah, and we love hymns. And yes. for me, like lyrical richness, come on, those guys wrote Charles Wesley. I, People talk about like every song's amazing. Like, nope, nope. Look at this guy and see what he is. It's unreal. Yeah. Uh, and the you know, theological depth and all of the stuff. But uh, so the first one we did, we, we've talked about it for ages. Hey, let's do a hymns record. And then um, CCEF, which is the Christian Counseling Education Foundation uh, here in the US, uh, they reached out. They do a big conference every year. And last year during COVID, they were doing it online. And they said, hey, you know, we've seen all your every psalm stuff. Would you be interested in recording? I think it was five hymns, whatever hymns, the first hymns EP, four, five, whatever it was. Um, some hymns for our people to worship with, you know, through the conference. You should pre-record them. And we thought, okay, great. Yes, we'll do that. And um, they they chose those hymns. They said, hey, can you do these four? Mm-hmm. And we said, great, we can do those four. Uh, we knew them all. You know, they wouldn't, they probably weren't, not all of them were our favorites, but they're beautiful. And we, we totally appreciated them. And, so 
we thought, well, shoot, if we're going to record them and give them in, let's just put it out. You know, why not? And so that was the first one. And then that kind of, uh, the response was way higher than I thought it was going to be. Um, just that people would approach, you know, we're not rewriting, the hymns are not rewriting at all. We're not rewriting choruses. We're not changing the melodies. It's just like, bang, this is the hymn. Um, and a lot of people are like, thank you for not cutting verse three on that one or for <laughs> not adding a chorus that the guy didn't write. And it's like, no, we're going to honor the authors as best we can. So uh, they're simple, low production as best we can. And uh, same thing. So for hymns two, which is all Advent ones, mm-hmm. um, we're like, hey, these are just beautiful. Oh man, some of those melodies are so gorgeous. Yeah. So we just want those we just picked. And we have four or five or six or seven more EPs worth of hymns that we love. And we have a big old list on Google Docs. And you know, like next one's gotta be this, you know. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I gotta I say another one. I gotta say Leah's rendition of a mighty fortress oh. is probably my favorite. And I've oh, heard wow. how many variations and throughout my life. Yeah. But her, I, I have, I think there, are, I don't know how many views are on YouTube, but I would assume half of them are mine <laughs> um, because her, rendition, and, and, yeah, her rendition of, of a mighty fortress is really good. Oh, that's cool. I'll tell her that. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. We sing hymns at church and we love them and the Psalms, but when I try to find the Psalms or hymns, you know, online, it's hard to under, it's hard to hear the lyrics when there's a group singing. Sure. Um, that's been one of the things too, like wanting to learn more Psalms is how I found you guys. I'm like, I can hear every word they're saying uh-huh. so I can memorize this and I can mm-hmm. sing with them. So that's been something I've really appreciated. And obviously there are other hymns that you can, you know, understand the lyrics, but sure. um, the way that you've made, especially the Psalms accessible, and I appreciate the versions too, that are every single line, but um, just being able to take the word and, and sing it in the way that it, um, it's just in your mind and in your heart is, is so amazing and so wonderful. So I totally appreciate this project that you guys have spent so much of your time, um, in developing. It's been a huge blessing. No, oh, thanks. We had a, we had a friend, um, preaching on that, uh, meditate on the word day and night a long time ago. I remember hearing him and he said, how are you going to meditate on it at night if you don't have it memorized? You know, because these guys didn't have light switches to switch on by their bedside. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> you know, so that was like started the thing. Mem- let's awesome. memorize, let's know it, and we can know it real easy if we use melody as a memory tool. God gave us a gift of that. So yeah, I told him one of my favorite things is when I wake up in the middle of the night and the song that's just in my head is a psalm. Like mm-hmm. that's so amazing. I'm mm-hmm. you know walking to the bathroom and I have a psalm in my head. Just mm-hmm. those melodies sometimes you just can't get out, and I love that they're there. I love that they're there when you're not even thinking about it. It's because of the memory. It's just mm-hmm. great. No. Well, let's do this as we come to a close. Tell everyone um, where we can find the music specifically. I know you're everywhere, uh, but let's talk about the specifics of where we can find your music. And then also um, the tours that are coming up, the Golgotha experience. Do you have anything um, that we know is at least scheduled that people can, if they're, they're around the area or if they want to travel, they can come and see you guys. Talk to us about the, the venues that you have coming up. Yeah, so right now we're November is always the early stage of planning for the Golgotha stuff. So we have a lot of conversations going um, and nothing nailed down, um, other than usually we spend all of Holy Week every night of Holy Week uh, in Kansas City or in the Kansas City area. So that's kind of the only thing that we can tell people right now. Um, if you're in the Kansas City area, we'll be 
you can probably come to it any night at any number of places during Holy Week. Um, but if, yeah, if, if people are interested, I know, you know, I want to talk to you guys about coming to St. Louis. We have some other folks there, but hopefully yeah. we can get there this again this year. Um, and then you can hear our, you can go to poorbishophooper.com. That's probably the easiest way. And then you can access all the other websites with the, you know, the Advent or the Lent or every Psalm through that. Uh, that's kind of the hub. Uh, and that has the hymns on it and everything else. So um, that's probably the easiest way. You can also just search us on Spotify or Apple Music or any of those platforms that you use. So Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Jess, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Oh, it was a delight. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. I want to hear more about you. Sure. <laughs> we'll yeah, let you we'll know. Okay, we'll let you know. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.